Hi, this is Beth Lawton with Alexandria Living Magazine, and we're here with Paul Roberts of Sand and Steel Fitness to talk about a number of things today, from stress eating and stress baking to how to exercise safely while we're under the stay-at-home order, running, and a bunch of other stuff. Hi, Paul. Great. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Well, thanks for, for inviting me. When I looked at some of the questions that, that your readers were getting, one of the things that people are already noticing is, of course, their kind of eating habits have changed. I've been seeing more and more cakes on my Instagram channel. I haven't seen flour in Whole Foods in the last four weeks. It is at, getting impossible to find yeast at yes. any grocery store, too. So there's definitely a lot of stress baking going on. And, um, you know, with everything going on and, and the fact that people are going to have different types of uh, psychological trauma associated with this, not feeling good about your body just makes it all that much worse, um, both from a physical point of view and then you, you know, your clothes are not fitting right and then that, that adds to it. It's something people get depressed about all the time. And, you know, we're going to go over, you know, why that's occurring and maybe some ways that you can help you know, stem the tide in terms of work to do once all this stay-at-home order gets lifted. And so I took a look at a lot of the reasons that this is going on. Certainly the switch from working at home and from working at work when you're at home, your schedule gets derailed a lot and you have a lot more time. A lot of people have had their hours cut and so they have more free time. And, you know, something that people used to do is they'd go to the gym right or they'd go to you know to a bar or something like that and they would do more social things they would do sports a lot of people play sports and those are all limited as well and so people are turning to cooking as both an activity and also because of the kind of positive temporary effect it has eating these type of things it sounds like it's a great thing to do i've been wanting to learn how to do this cooking that i see on the food network or whatever it might be let me spend the time now but then you have all this food that you that you shouldn't be eating, particularly when you can't really exercise easily. And it, it's probably not the, the wisest of ideas to do. Um, and, you know, why are, you know, <clears throat> I think people often bake not because they want the food. Honestly, that's why you cook, right? It's not necessarily you like cooking. I certainly don't like doing dishes, but you want these things. And and why do we why do we want those things? That was kind of like the crux question when I was talking to different people. I called some of my colleagues that are dietitians and, and, and I got to this and it, it really had to do with like, you know, when we have a lot of stress in our lives, there are three main ways humans deal with them. Social interaction, which has been limited a lot. Exercise, which has been drastically reduced. Um, eating foods that are unhealthy is another big one. And then meditation and this kind of mindfulness practice. And in the United States, at least, most people, when it comes to those type of activities, you know, church is certainly a big place people do that. They do yoga. They do a lot of group activities. They're group-led, um, and people aren't doing that anymore. And so everything's been taken from you except for cooking. And so... <laughs> So it's creating this, this environment that's easy to fall into, whether you're buying the foods pre-made. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're, you're sad. You know, people are sad. I've been sad many days. And 
you know, you want something to make you feel better. And so you buy these addictive foods that everybody knows are addictive. That's why they make them that way. And then you wind up, you know, kind of falling into the bad habits you worked so hard in your life to prevent. So with the kitchen so close by with everyone working from home um, and all the stress and the sadness around coronavirus right now, what specific steps can people take to to set some parameters around that so they're not gaining the coronavirus 20 that everyone's talking about? The, you know, the advice that I've been giving our members uh, on this topic is it in some ways the same advice when I'm treating anybody who's having trouble with, with um, food addictions, right? It's a question of keeping a schedule. Humans need schedules and, and at least nowadays we do and we're used to it. So, you know, starting your work, whatever work that is at certain times, you know, from your day and then scheduling your meals. One of the ways we gain a lot of weight, and this has been well studied in many times, is this kind of absent-minded eating. It's well-known, well-documented. It is super easy to do when you're stuck at home all day. And so you need, you need to structure your meals. And when you structure your meals, it's easier for you to be aware of what your calories are. Certainly, you know, the practices of food journaling are even more effective now in this environment than others. And they're easier to do because you're preparing your food. One of the, you know, you can turn it around and say, you know, one of the obstacles that our members have for losing weight, a lot of people eat at restaurants. It's hard to know exactly, unless you go to a really big chain that the law requires them to have a nutrition guidance. Most restaurants don't publish it. Most of them are privately owned. There's no laws required in Virginia anyway, California and other states more so. Um, you're at home. Now you can because you know exactly what you're putting in your food and you have much more control, we should be having the corona minus 20, you know, when, it, when you look at it in that way. And so you are, you are empowered to do this. It's the acceptance that yes, things are bad, but financially they're bad for people's families, they're bad for if you have people and working hot, it's bad. And you don't have to say, well, things are bad, so I can change my diet because I'm sad because you're just going to be more sad later. You can change it for the good now uh, more easily than you ever could because you have control over everything that you're eating because we can't eat at restaurants. So that would be I've the heard, biggest tip I'd give you. Okay. I've heard too that even doing something as easy as moving your desk to somewhere that is not the dining room table might be a good way just so you're not in view of the kitchen and that food isn't there all the time. I find for people who are very busy, um, the easiest way, if you, you know, if you're busy and you still have, you know, a decent income, the meal delivery companies, and there's tons of them, there's tons of them locally in Alexandria, and then there's ones that are national, there's ones in Virginia. That's what I've done because, you know, if I don't want to cook, I don't want to go to the grocery store where everybody's, you know, there's lots and lots of people there, you know, they're all pre, you know, pre-portioned for you. And then you could just eat them, especially if you're busy and you don't want to take a break to have a meal. You know, they're pre-made. And so you just yeah. heat them up. Are they the most healthy things in the world? They are, given the costs, the requirements that they have. They do the best, honestly, that they can. They can't mm -hmm. ship you a whole ton of vegetables. It takes too much volume. And they're expensive and they go through, so they give you a little bit. But 
you know, for what they charge, given their situation, they do a good job. Okay. You know, it, so that's, you know, I like the idea of, of have, certainly having separation if you can. Like I have a little one bedroom apartment. That's not so easy because nope. my desk is in my living room. But, um, you know, to the, to the degree that you can do that, certainly it, it mentally helps you, you know, have a meal versus, versus mealing anytime. Okay. I've seen a lot of people out walking on the trails, running for the first time in maybe a long time. It's coronavirus hit right at spring when the weather is getting nice out, which is great, actually. I'm glad if this had to happen, unfortunately, I'm glad it didn't happen in January when it was 35 and raining. But a lot of people are suddenly getting out there and exercising because now they have the time to do it. Can you talk about exercising outside, what the options are, is it safe, um, how to start running without injury, kind of what are the options that people have now that all of our gyms are closed? Mm -hmm. Well, let's tackle them in, in two different parts, because one mm -hmm. is like um, kind of exercise that you can do now that, or even outdoor exercise that you can do now that, you know, gyms are closed and things like that, versus running itself from like what to look for from mechanics, because they're kind of separate. Okay. Um, so yes, humans need movement. That's well documented. You have more health problems if you don't have it, and health fades very quickly without movement. It's a, you know, in two three weeks you can have significant drops down. Particularly, the older you are, the movement reduction is much like the effect is much faster. I've seen that time and time again. We have an older member who comes out for two weeks for whatever reason they stop coming. And the drop is really big compared to people that are younger. Um, so you do need to move. So that you can't say, well, I'm just not going to exercise for three three months. That's going to cause a lot of problems. Um, and it's harder. So, okay, so what should we do? You know, honestly, I think the best in this area, the best activity you can do is probably hiking because it's low population um, density. The hiking injuries people get, are almost always technical injuries, like you fell on a rock or something. It's something to do with the environment. There aren't a lot of hiking injuries that like, I hurt my shoulder because I was hiking the wrong way type skill stuff. And that's very low. Um, I think your mountain biking in the same way for the same reason is good. Um, but what I see a lot around here because it's more convenient is people walking around uh, the area and the real thing you have to be aware of, and, and there's been you know new studies about this, is that that six foot radius that people want you to keep, or two meter radius, applies when you're not moving. When you're moving, the radius is much larger and you don't have control. You don't have control if somebody's running faster behind you. You know, you know, there's different amounts of people like following this and understanding it and believing it and whatever. And when you go outside and you choose to run in places that are really fun and awesome looking around the area, like the, the mall and other places, um, the, the big running trails, you can't control people coming behind you. There's no way to do it. Um, and the how contagious the virus is, is it's massively. When I spoke to some of my friends at, at GSK and other type of uh, you know treatments, it's one of the most contagious viruses ever. Um, the reason that everybody isn't dying is it doesn't kill that many percentage of the people, but you're very, very likely to get it. Um, and, you know, the reality is with the whole, you know, lack of shortage of medical supplies, you know, 
you're not supposed to reuse masks. But if you don't, you won't have one. So what are you going to do, right? You're going to reuse it. Otherwise, you have nothing, right? And people, I see people like, certainly, for some reason nowadays, you know, instead of an N95 mask, well, handkerchief is good enough, right? We've, it's probably better than nothing. How much right. better is it? Would, would it stop the transmission? Nobody knows those answers or what right. is the reduction. <clears throat> but people are telling, well, use something because something is better than nothing. Than nothing. But because you have something, that doesn't mean that you're safe. The other thing with running that was, um, which is a lot of people are doing, you breathe a lot more heavily. And so that is increasing the amount of these virus particles in the air, in the area. So then you have somebody who's laboring, breathing behind you, and you know, you're kind of restricted. So you have to be very careful about where you run um, mm -hmm. so you don't put yourself at risk or people in your family. So one thing that has come up a number of times is virtual training. I know that several gyms and yoga studios, including Sand and Steel Fitness, are now offering virtual training options where people can train inside their homes with some guidance. Can you talk a little bit about that and how it works and what people should expect from that type of a program? So this brings us to virtual personal training. With this fitness program, we do an intake with you and we figure out what kind of workouts you need really to improve your strength. We build them with the equipment that you have at home and the space that you have available. We do the workouts with you in real time. We make corrections, we update your program and we make it more challenging as you get better and the program evolves essentially over time. What makes you know training just twice a week so effective is we really build the workouts at your weak points. And so we engineer the workouts to target those areas that you haven't been targeting in your own fitness to help support what you're doing and to kind of improve your overall mechanics. People's weaknesses tend to be the areas they don't work as much. And so we will strengthen those areas and design your program so that you can move a lot better with less pain by building the workout to whatever kind of specifications you want, plus our analysis based on what we see that you need. We talk with you, we show you the program, you get it in advance, you get to prepare for it, and then we do the workout together, making modifications in real time. One of the problems we encountered very early on was that everybody has very different equipment. You'd think people have the same type of excess equipment, no, it's completely different. Some people have dumbbells. You might have a yoga block. You could have a kettlebell. You probably don't have a barbell. You might want to use that exercise bike. But everybody's different equipment makes programming very difficult. Normally, personal trainers will build a template workout and then scale that workout to the individual. In this case, in, in this virtual environment, you have to build each workout for the whole program one at a time and you have to design it not only to the client's goals, but to the noise limitations they have, the space limitations, and now you have to build it according to the exercise equipment that they have on hand. And when we started doing that, all of a sudden, it worked. That was the secret sauce for getting personal training to work at home. You need a customized program with the equipment that you have available, and then anything becomes possible. So let's talk about on-demand programming. That's the $15 a month program that you see flooding your Instagram channels. So you basically buy a program and they give you videos on how to do it. 
and in a way that's kind of like watching a video except it's more interactive you can get little videos of other different pieces it's much more cost effective mm -hmm. you give the workout sometimes they're already pre-made the workouts and then you have a video showing it you may or may not have a have a, a work along video as well and if you have really good mobility and you're in good shape it's one of the most cost effective ways of doing it Usually they'll tell you what, pro what equipment you need in advance. You fit yourself to the program and you follow along. That business model has been around for 30 years. You know, it's Beachbodies and Lay Mills and all these ones. These, com these companies have been doing it, which is one of the reasons we did not pursue that. As great as Santa still is, we cannot compete with Lay Mills and these other really big ones in terms of budget, marketing, audience, yeah. penetration, all these things. Mm -hmm. And it is, uh, you know, it's inexpensive and it's great if you don't have any injuries. Um, but what most people are doing, so those are like the two kind of ends, very, very, very customized, more expensive, $80 mm -hmm. a session, 15 bucks a month, right? Those are your two ends. And yeah. the middle is what a lot of people are doing in this area. And it's kind of virtual fitness classes. And they're done live, mostly. Um, some of them are on demand where they're recorded and you watch recorded one. And you'll have a workout parameter, like we offer, a virtual yoga you'll know what the yoga flow is and you'll join it it's much easier for the instructor to give you real corrections i think a lot of people are not appreciating the difference between watching a yoga or mobility video or a training video versus having an instructor there um, when i've been doing it i didn't think it would work that well but i can see what i need to see in terms of movement i can tell a certain member to move their body or to move their camera. I can't see what it is. Um, and it does work. Technology made it easier than I expected. I also thought it'd be too hard for people to get this kind of stuff, but it is, they made it easy to use and you get a lot more out of it. Um, another thing that goes along with the questions about health was if you have a, a video DVD, which nobody has, but if you have like the video subscriptions nowadays, right? I'll do it later. I'll do it at five. Oh, I didn't get to it today. I'll do it tomorrow. You have this procrastination. Yep. Classes, you have social engagement. You can actually talk to the members. You can see them suffering with you, which is important. You can talk to the coaches and it is interactive and it is very much like being in a real class. Um, it is a much more effective service than I thought it would have been. I was quite shocked about how well it works. It uses the same times that we're used to so at six o'clock we have this class and at seven we have that class mm -hmm. and you go to the class and you log in and you get a lot more out of it and it also you know you've done your exercise for the day i've i can check that off you know i did my hour and now i can go back to work or i can go hopefully not to bake anything or whatever other things you maybe to homeschool your children um and it does really work and i i do encourage a lot of people uh there's a number of really great um, boutique studios in Alexandria that are doing this. Mm -hmm. They are all in, you know, uh, financial strain from this and they've put a lot of work into doing this. So, you know, I would pick one, especially if you have a job that's still paying you, they need your business mm -hmm. and they're working extra hard. It's a great time. Always want to work with a business that really appreciates you. They all appreciate you right now. Yep. So the other question you asked was about running and safety for running, right? Yeah, so would this be a good time, kind of, to start, say, a couch to 5K program? The weather is nice outside, even if you're running circles around your house to stay in your yard, 
is this a good time to kind of to start something like that? It depends. Um, <laughs> and it depends on what your mobility looks like and your strength levels. Running is one of the more common things people get injured at. Um, it's, it's well known if you look at any running magazine, there's at least one article on some injury and how to treat that injury. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people haven't been doing any exercise or they haven't been running. And the number of people that started running is, is tremendous. It, spring is always higher in our area, right. but it's like three times. And all the physical therapists are like, yes, I'm getting all this business coming in a month or two. That's what I see physical therapy studios, like we just did our expansion. We have more rooms. We're all ready for the people coming in June because it, oh, it happens. And it, it, it's yep. true. Um, what I would, if you have the money, um, hire a running coach. There's a lot of running okay. coaches. Um, we certainly do it. And there's, but we're not the only company in their area. There's probably 10 at least that look at running technique and they will teach you what to work on. There is a lot of form to running properly. And just because you can run, it doesn't mean you're running correctly or safely. You're mm -hmm. doing a running pattern, but the pattern itself is not sustainable and it's going to lead to injuries if not uh, corrected. It's kind of like, you know, if your tires are out of alignment on a car, you can still drive, but it's going to create mechanical problems for your car if it's severe enough. And, you know, most people have no idea what they look like when they run. You know, how many people have had somebody film them and then put, no, very few people, unless you're like really training for something. So you just go and do it because they need to exercise. Yep. You know, it doesn't cost that much to get a diagnostic. Like, you know, most people in our area will charge you you know, anywhere from 70 to $150 for an hour to give mm -hmm. you a diagnostic and show you. And okay. they'll certainly want to then say, okay, well, there's these problems. I can fix it. It's going to take more sessions. Certainly like a physical therapist, take more sessions. Or maybe they'll tell you, you know what? You're good. You can, you're running well, and I don't need to make any changes. Um, and so that information can prevent you from getting an injury, which nobody wants right now. Right. And is that something that can be done from six feet away or more? Yeah, so the way we've been doing it, because a lot of what we do with how to do that is we video you, and then mm -hmm. we play the video frame by frame, and we show the false, because running is very fast, and so, you know, every step is fast, so how do you explain what's going on in real time? You can't, you slow it down. Right. And so what you do, like, um, we have both an Android phone and an, an iPhone, and we use a native share, like AirDrop, to share the video, and, or now I've been using Zoom, actually, I just put it up on Zoom, and I play the video, and you go frame and you show the pieces that's wrong. And then once you see it as a coach, there's drills to correct every single running fault just about, or you know what mobility exercises or strength exercises you need to do to start to strengthen it. So you can do it six feet away. It certainly changes the fact. Normally I would just go over, but you know, here it is, you know, and you go right next to the person, you show them on your phone. So what, what we've done is we just do that. We use mostly iPhones and I use, um, the Air, the Apple TV and I mm -hmm. do the virtual share so it's big and then yep. they can see okay this is this is the problem and it's nice because actually even though the gyms are closed the order in Virginia the other states are different in Virginia you businesses can still operate they just can't take people into their gym and they have to keep people under 10 so a private running lesson outside is not illegal underneath any executive orders um, and it's you know relatively safe if you're six six feet away as as much as can be, 
Um, and so that's a great option. Um, I think one of the things too to to look for, you know, and to give you some ideas about running, you know, has to do with things like there's a lot of technical pieces to it. Um, I'll drop in the video. I wrote in a whole big article about all the technical pieces of running, mm -hmm. from the concept of falling, the heel strike, to the cadence. There's a lot of little pieces to it. Um, but you know, if you look through an article like that, and other people have written similar articles, you know. Mm -hmm. How much of this stuff when you read it is new to you? That will give you an idea of probably what your running form would look like. And, you know, give it a little bit of respect because it's not that easy uh, mm -hmm. to do correctly. And it will stop you from getting injured if you make these kind of changes. Okay. So back to the overeating, the stress baking, all of those things. It sounds like either doing exercise at home with, uh, virtual classes, that sort of thing can help. Meditation can help. Picking up hobbies that maybe require both hands can probably help. Um, and it sounds like not mindlessly eating while you're on all those Zoom calls are, are good ways to go. Some things we're seeing at, at home uh, is this, uh, a lot of people bought every piece of equipment available, right? You know, all the big fitness perform better, Rogue, all these companies, they're all sold out for like the next two months, right? Mm -hmm. Because most of them are get equipment from China. That's where they get it from. Yep. And China is having the same problem. So we have no masks and we have no weights in this country. And yep. no hair dye, apparently. Um, <laughs> so I'm seeing a lot of this, like, do-it-yourself videos coming up on on, on YouTube and other, and other places. Mm -hmm. and I think it's a terrible idea. And most professional trainers agree. I've seen, I'm on a lot of, like, Facebook groups with, like, you know, 500 other trainers and stuff. Uh -huh. Why is this so terrible? Um, it is very hard to exercise correctly. There's a lot of technique to it. Yep. So then you want to take, you know, a difficult activity and add an unstable self-made apparatus to it and introduce all sorts of other limitations, right? Yep. I mean, there are those people, you know, and I've seen them, they make a whole Smith machine out of wood and God bless them that they have this, this talents to have everything, right? But the normal people, people in Alexandria generally, you know, we don't we don't make stuff that much, um, and, and excess equipment can hurt you if if mm -hmm. it's unstable and if it's not made correctly. You probably don't know all the requirements for something to work correctly. You know, a simple example, you know, is a barbell. A mm -hmm. lot of people don't appreciate that inside the collars there are these uh, bearings that spin, and they need to spin to provide to prevent torque from building up on the weights, which will hurt your shoulders. And so if you make your home barbell, you're probably not going to build a rotary system in there or appreciate why that's needed, even though every commercial barbell on the planet has that for that reason. Um, you know, you may not be able to make effective collars that would work or test the resistances of these mm -hmm. things. Um, I don't see that many barbells being made, but the one thing I do see a lot of people trying to make are like sandbags. I've even seen a lot of companies that make programs for people recommending those. Um, if you can get a professional sandbag like Brute Force or another company that makes them, like mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a Wonder Bag or something. I forget what the other one was. Great. But you need multiple weights because the exercises are different. So you need like three bags, which yep. makes it much more expensive. Now you're looking at like $600 or so. Sandbags are inherently one of the hardest exercises to work with because they're mm -hmm. very unstable. Yes, our military uses them, and I use them to train military people all the time because they have to, right? Because you have to carry guns and backpacks and, and stuff like that. And so they train you to deal with an unstable load. That's why they were made. 
Mm-hmm. Most people without a lot of training cannot effectively do that. You're just increasing your risk. Certainly then if more so, if you're putting random objects in there, like let's add some water in here and we have some clothes over here and it's all unbalanced. And then we're going to use it for purposes. It's not even like I've seen people try and do like kettlebell swings with sandbags. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that with a professional bag. I wouldn't do that myself. And I'm <laughs> seeing people do this and they're like, oh, you know, I felt a burn. I'm like, yeah, you felt a burn in your back as it's not being done correctly um and so i don't i don't really think it's necessary um if you don't have any equipment right and you don't have a car that you can go hiking you know i would pick some of the videos that are just cardio based whether that's your kind of dance type ones Mm -hmm. um you know it may not necessarily be the the fitness that you like the most um but it'll at least be it'll at least be something you know, it, it sounds like you're less likely to get injured with that sort of thing. The one that I'm the biggest proponent of is honestly either mobility focused training. There's a lot of companies that do that and yoga. Mm-hmm. You know, most people know what yoga is. They've been to different types of yoga classes. Yep. Yoga is pretty safe and it's very easy for the if it's a virtual class for the instructor to see faults in that because we're on a fixed like you have your yoga mat. And as mm-hmm. long as you position the yoga mat in your camera field of view, you can see everything or yep. the instructor will tell you flip your mat so I can see the side easy. Mm-hmm. And with the mobility training um, that goes on too, that's also the same case. Usually you're on a piece of mat and you get to work certain areas of the body, whether it's shoulders or hips or whatever. And those are kind of your least likely to get injured and you still get um, some cardio workout of it. You'll find uh, with yoga, you know, you have your alignment style yoga, and mm-hmm. your vinyasa style yoga. Yep. So m- make sure you get what you're looking for when you're looking at classes. Some of them are higher intensity. They're hard to learn. If you don't mm-hmm. have, if you're new to yoga, start with your alignment classes because they'll teach you how to do the poses. There's no point in doing it fast if you're doing it wrong. And so go with your alignment. Everybody will say beginner because they want to get new clients. So beginner friendly, Everybody, everybody's going to say that. That's the reality. You know. <laughs> It's a competitive bit. So they can say, anybody can join, no experience necessary, all this. Well, talk to the owners or the instructors who are available because they need clients, trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, ask them, is, is it an alignment-based class? Is it a position-based class? Is it a flow-based class? What's the time for each movement? This all gets built out in advance. You want, when you're learning yoga, you know, two, three minutes per pose. Mm-hmm. So the instructor has time to give you corrections. You get to work it, and, and, and it's slower. And you need that before you can do vinyasa, which is flow-based yoga, because you're just going to do the positions incorrectly. And the instructor, if he has a few people or she has a few people in the class, she can't give you that many corrections because then she winds up breaking up the flow. Mm-hmm. And so she can give you one or two cues, and you keep going, and you're like, what did they mean by turn my shoulder out? You know, And you <laughs> try to, but you're like, did I do it? They didn't tell me, and so you run into that kind of trouble. So mm-hmm. that's the way I would learn yoga. It's probably one of the most effective ways to stay in shape in a limited space with noise issues in the apartments, right? You can't be jumping up and down, at least in my building and yeah. most buildings. And so yoga has that, and your cats will love it because, you know, cats and goats right. really love yoga, and yep. they're making a big appearance in a lot of <laughs> videos. 
So you went to Johns Hopkins and you said uh, when we were talking earlier that you had talked to a number of your alumni classmates who are doctors, virologists, that sort of thing. Can you give us just two or three really interesting things that you've learned about this novel coronavirus that you didn't know from watching the news mm -hmm. previously? Well, one of the things that I learned from talking with them is about you know how contagious it is and almost everybody in the united states is going to get the coronavirus however most people are asymptomatic so they don't know that they got it the governments are operating by closing areas or parts of the country is that they know the reason that it's not going to just come back once we reopen stuff as much is you're still probably getting affected and they wanted to slow stuff down so everybody's not infected at exactly the same time because there is a certain percent population that gets very, very sick. Mm -hmm. It's very, you know, what they had told me um, was it's one of the only viruses that they can recall, like since maybe polio, that has asymptomatic, very sick, and dead. I mean, it has the whole spectrum, well, and it doesn't, you know, it does discriminate based on age for whatever reason. Older people get more severe symptoms on average, mm -hmm. and it, it, it also has a problem when you have certain health injuries. Um, yeah. They don't understand yet why it affects the lungs or how that mechanism works so much, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, myself included was worried, well, how long is this going to go for, right? I mean, when they reopen it, are we going to go through this again? And it does have an end because most people are going to have an immunity to it. Mm -hmm. um, kind of popular decision when I ask people like, okay, do we think by like June 10th is the order in Virginia? Right. Is the curve going to be flattened? And I ask, I know you don't know, but you know more than me because this is your field, right? <laughs> and what I got was 50-50. They felt that the date okay. was reasonable. They could see it ending a little earlier, end of May right now, based on what they're saying. And it might not too. The other point that they, they asked, and it's interesting because I'm an attorney and I didn't think about this, but these biologists came up with this legal point, which is very interesting to me, was that they know that it's going to hit the rural areas later. That's mm -hmm. what's going to happen. Yep. And so what is the state supposed to do when its cities are okay and now you're having flare-ups in small areas? Is mm -hmm. the state going to keep the order closed or not? And that doesn't really have an answer yet. So we may see an extension because while maybe, you know, the big areas in like Northern Virginia, like Arlington and Fairfax, high density, okay, it's come in, it's flattened out, yeah. but then the outside areas are having flare-ups. What is, you know, the governor going to do about that? I think he's thinking about that and, and he'll have to figure out what he's going to do if it's going to be city-based because a lot of people criticize the federal government for not doing a global one, mm -hmm. right? Well, some states have done this, and some states have relied on the individual municipalities to do this. And so yeah. that's kind of uh, an unknown as to yeah. what the best procedure is going to be. But they did feel that the general three-month stay-at-home order should be sufficient, and we should see you know, the, the number of people going down, and you'll probably be immune, and you're probably just already sick, and you're asymptomatic and mm -hmm. you're not going to get hit with it. And that was probably the, the biggest take-home point that, that I learned about the virus. Um, and then just how contagious it was. That was one of the things everyone told me. They're like, it, it has almost been no viruses, like, you know, not even like the one, the H1N1 and, and mm -hmm. the bird flu and the swine flu. This one was yeah. like 
out of the out of the parks contagious uh-huh. and it's been the only they also tell me it's been the only global pandemic ever uh, that's on all continents even like yep. Greenland and stuff like that and that yep. was another big thing um, and that gave me kind of perspective of how long that this should last and some of the the fears that people have mm-hmm. um, like my grandma just felt like she's gonna die for sure about this because she lives in a retirement area in Florida people are sick yep. in her community she can't go anywhere well, most people don't get sick. That that's that is the reality. And so you're not mm-hmm. waiting for death to come or some terrible flu. You probably yeah. won't get anything. But the reason they did this order was so those people who do get sick right. uh, can get treatment. The other thing they told me a lot about was uh, what's happening with the medical staff, and they're seeing that there's no equipment, you know, and, and where we miss the mark on not having our own domestic production mm-hmm. of medical equipment. You know, yeah. doctors are reusing lots of equipment because they have a choice and then they're reinfecting patients mm-hmm. and or if they don't help the patients and they die. So this is this very, very bad situation right. on us not taking responsibility of, you know, having our own gowns, this, this personal medical supply and, um, you know, the, the need for people to, if you have the means to help make that stuff or if you have it to, to mm-hmm. donate it because poor nurses and doctors are, putting themselves at risk and their families yep. to help other people. And that was a yep. big thing they had told me too. Yeah. I have a childhood friend who is an ER nurse in Connecticut and she caught it treating mm-hmm. other people. Um, and she said she was not one of those people who was asymptomatic. She was down for two weeks with what felt like the flu. I mean, the body aches, the fevers, the chills, the coughing, difficulty breathing. It's not, while it might not be bad for some people, um, it could be like the flu or much worse for other people. And nobody wants to catch the flu or worse. So I think that there's a lot to be said for the social distancing and locking things down because even colds are unpleasant. The flu is worse and this is putting people in the ICU. So. Um, I did a, a very recent study of people running because mm-hmm. I went and I stayed, I went to the Memorial Bridge with the mask I happened to have bought for doing construction. And so I had a mask and I took a look at what how people were running mm-hmm. uh, when I knew we were going to do this this uh, this meeting. And, you know, I found that a lot of people couldn't maintain their distance of no. two meters because it wasn't, it wasn't possible with the hills and things like that. I also found that about 80% of people had you know, one or more significant running faults in their technique, they underestimate how technical it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll get home and they wonder, well, why is my back getting sore? You know, maybe my back needs to be stronger. And it's, you know, it's a question of positioning and strengthening maybe your mm-hmm. hamstring so your back doesn't hurt. Um, and so when you think about, you know, running um, and starting to do that, if you're watching this video, you know, about 75% of people didn't keep their distance. I looked mm-hmm. about 400 people. So only about a quarter did. And only about 20% of those people were running without any significant running faults. Yep. So that puts your statistical likelihood in the 3 to 5% range. <laughs> so if you can make time to do hiking or drive to some place where it's lower density mm-hmm. and do some, some walking and hill walking, if you don't have, if you haven't been running, you really, you know, it's going to be very hard to find a physical therapist in June. I can guarantee you that in July, <laughs> okay. they are going to be so busy once this yep. in-person stuff. And 
it's you know your and your summer is going to get damaged because you're going to have a, a you know an injury that's going to make it difficult and yeah. you don't always the thing is with with injuries from running you don't always get a warning that like it's mm-hmm. getting sore and I can just stop and I'll be okay a couple of days sometimes you just get a, a fast nerve impingement or you know you hurt you know a meniscus in your knee or whatever it might be and now you have a chronic condition that you have to manage yeah so you know, I like it, it. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you do get a warning, but not every time. And so that's that's a another big point to do. Um, okay. I mean, certainly if you have a pool, that's great. But you know, certainly there's no public pools anymore. Um, and so a lot of the, you know, but biking. I can tell you this about biking. If you have a bike, biking is way safer. Okay. Than running, but mechanically, um, you know, please don't bike in flip flops. I see people doing that all the time. <laughs> it's if you ever buy running shoe, uh, biking shoes, they're super hard and stiff in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is to prevent you from hurting your tendons and your feet and getting mm-hmm. minor fasciitis. Yep. So biking with very soft shoes is uh, a really terrible idea. And so the harder sole shoes you can find, the better off you're going to be. I guess in kind of in conclusion and summary of like, you know, what are some of the main points we talked about? You know, finding a way to exercise. You have to find a way to exercise. It's harder. It's harder for gyms. It's harder for everybody. You have to keep exercising. And you have to be careful about your diet, right? And your diet includes uh, being careful about TV. You know, the more TV you watch, and, you know, I've seen Facebook posts like, I finished Netflix. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) you know, and so if you're watching more TV, Statistics clearly show you're going to eat more food. So you got to be very careful if you're choosing to watch more TV that you don't fit that pattern of eating more food because we have commercials that tell you to eat food and and all those things. And if you're not watching TV, the other reason people eat too much is that they're bored and they want to do something. So, you know, don't let yourself get bored because you'll want to eat something when you're bored. That's a known thing. And if you're watching TV to prevent boredom, you're still going to eat more food. So... Make sure you have healthy options available, mm-hmm. which are hard to find. Um, that really helps. And, and yep. just, it's again, it's about mindfulness and awareness. And if you can track your food, it will make the biggest difference. You won't have to lose 20 pounds because beach season's coming whenever they reopen <laughs> their beaches. And, you know, that's kind of the, the reality. Yep. I really do appreciate, though, uh, this opportunity to talk with you and to yes. share everything that's been going on. Um, Hopefully we got some good information out to everybody and gave them some some good clues and will help get some of uh, the business and virtual training to the Alexandria Studios yep. that are all need some more support for that. And you know they're here to help you guys. So 